It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Fifty-seven DFS strategy show right here at awesome.com. Of course, that is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Foy. That gets you ready for Saturday night, Sunday morning in Abu Dhabi. Con- the return of Conor McGregor taking on Dustin Poirier. It's obviously anytime it's a Conor week. It's it's a big week, Pete. Uh, you know, kind of from you as a fighter. What's what? The, are you just as excited as the fight fans are for this one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Whenever Connor's fighting, it feels like, you know, it really elevates the stock of the UFC and it really just creates a different type of excitement. I cannot wait for this fight card. Um, I'm really excited for the main event and the co-main event. Uh, Both guys um, in the main event have grown so much since the last time that they fought. And I think that, you know, we're in store for a really good card here, like from top to bottom. This is a pretty cut and dry card. I mean, we've been so like loaded with UFC cards the past nine days. It's nice that we have we're going out with the best one. So I cannot wait for this. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh sitting on the couch on, on Saturday night and and watching these fights and and see how they play out. But let's uh let's get right into it. Let's get right into the main event, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. And and you bring up a really an interesting point that I wanted to bring up here on the show is, you know, a lot of the the discussion about this fight heading into it is well, the growth of Dustin Poirier in in the six years since their first meeting. But I feel like no one's talking about the growth of a fighter that Conor McGregor has put into. I mean, you know, and one of the things that I find pure comedy in is everyone like, if Conor's motivated, when has Conor not been motivated? Well, I mean, I can say that, like, during the Habib dark fight like that that was weird like the lead up to that fight was weird you you saw connor ripping some whiskey and everything and it was just not like him i mean i think now you see him taking that calculated approach of you know doing the right things with the training regimen and the sports science aspect um you know i i love this 
I love Conor McGregor to begin with, but I really like this new uh, mature <laughs> Conor McGregor where he is, you know, you know, he's respectful to his opponents, but he's still really confident in his skills. And uh, I do think that, you know, Conor with, he has all the money, right? So he's not doing this for money. He's doing this for passion and legacy more than anything. He said he wants his highlight reel to be a movie. And I can appreciate that. And I think that's something to uh, take into consideration here. He's looking to create highlights every single time he comes out there. But, uh, you know, he does seem like a more motivated Conor McGregor. Now, when you look at the price points on this one, Conor McGregor, 9,100 on DK, 7,100 for Dustin Poirier. And over on FanDuel, we got $21 for Conor, $18 for Poirier. You know, look, I I think that if this, if you tell me this fight is going to end within the first two rounds, there's not really a doubt in my mind who's going to win the fight. You know, I I think for Dustin Poirier, a key, I think the strategy has got to be twofold. Now, whether he, does the first fold of this is I think probably unlikely, but going to a rap, a grappling base to potentially wear down Conor McGregor as this fight goes on, maybe get him up against cage, kind of make this like a dirty boxing type, you know, really try to wear down Conor McGregor, even though, uh, you know, I, I saw a story today where, where Conor talked about how it's a myth that, you know, about his cardio. And this is, you know, I think one of the more interesting things, that Connor said leading up to this was the fact of he talked about how, you know, I used to spend all this money just, you know, in terms of, of my preparations during a fight, but now he's doing it year round, uh, you know, but for Dustin Poirier, I, I, how, how does he win this? You know, I think a is how does he win this fight early? If this fight does in early and B with the fact of Connor dominated him so badly in the first fight, psychologically, how do you get past that? Yeah, I mean, I'll say that this fight is a great fight to target. I don't know how you avoid the main event in this, you know, on this DFS slate. I think it's uh, imperative for success. Um, McGregor's priced accordingly at 9100 and has a great shot at going out there and repeating the, the previous performance of knocking out Dustin Poirier because I do think that, you know, with the small gloves and how hard Conor McGregor hits and how precise he is, sometimes fighters just have others' numbers. And uh, that could be a simple case here where Conor McGregor just, you know, kind of is in the head of Dustin Poirier. I, I watched uh, Dustin Poirier on the uh, the press conference this morning, and I don't want to read too much into that, but it does seem like he's slightly off a little bit. So I think for Dustin Poirier, it's, it's really important to try to not be rattled. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. Um, not be uh, tentative on the feet. That's a lot easier said than done because nobody wants to receive that Conor McGregor left hand. Um, But if you go in there and you're giving Conor McGregor a little bit too much respect right off the bat, then you're allowing, you know, Conor to get into a rhythm. And and once he really starts to find the home for his shots, you know, all it takes is one shot or a couple exchanges. And the next thing you know, you're looking up at the light. So Dustin Poirier, yeah, you could mention that he should take it to the mat. But if you look back on that Habib Nurmagomedov fight against Conor McGregor, he was stuffing Habib's you know, initial shot and, and actually showed to have some some really, really improved uh, takedown defense. So I don't think that path is, um, you know, such an easy path, but it's got to be better than, than, you know, standing up and training with Conor McGregor. I mean, in order to get past Conor McGregor in the first or second round, you're going to have to eat some shots. It's just, will your chin hold up? Because... As the fight goes on, it favors Dustin Poirier with his gas tank and his, you know, his heart because look at the Dan Hooker fight. I mean, every Dustin Poirier fight, even the Justin Gaethje fight, he has to weather the storm and then he comes on late. So I just don't know if if he can really do that in this spot, but I will not be um, avoiding Dustin Poirier at 7,100. It's a hell of a value. It, it, on the 9,100 price for Connor, you know, what, what does he have to do to pay off that price? Is it just simply go out there? you know, get a knockdown, first-round finish type, is that enough for you? I think he's got to win uh, inside two. If he wins inside two, which I think is the most realistic, then uh, I think he pays off his price tag. It's not like he's boosted up. I mean, I was taking guesses on it last week, and I say, well, what do they have, McGregor, 9,500, 9,400? I was off. 9,100's price accordingly. I mean, that's that's pretty – that's where it should be. And I think that's a value on Conor McGregor in a spot like this. and. You mentioned um, how hard or how difficult is it for Dustin Poirier to get over the fact that he was knocked out by Conor McGregor. It's twofold. On one, um, 
you know, you have a motivated individual that wants to go out there and, uh, you know, right that wrong and get in the face of Conor McGregor and try to, you know, erase that memory. But on the other hand, you 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 can't erase that from your mind unless you went and saw like a hypnotist or something. Like you cannot erase that from your mind, and uh, it definitely will play out in this fight um, in some ex- exchanges. Now, Poirier just needs to be a little bit more calculated here and, and uh, you know have some better defensive you know tendencies. But uh, it's an exciting fight. I can't wait. Yeah, you you mentioned about the press conference earlier today, and and I text you about the stare down because I didn't know how to view Dustin Poirier. And, and, and there's one, you know, I, I text you, I said, I go, I don't know if this is, a, he has that look of someone who's dialed in. We don't know if he kind of has, you know, someone that's, he has these, these doubts potentially in his mind. But then, you know, I also thought about it is, I wonder how much the time of this press conference maybe threw off his sleep schedule because I'm sure that the, the, the ATT team, you know, because they're going to fight at about eight, nine o'clock in the morning, Abu Dhabi time on Sunday morning. I wonder how much maybe that played into it. Yeah, I thought about that as well. I'm trying to sit there and give Dustin Poirier the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to sit there and read too much into a press conference. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the door is going to lock and, you know, maybe he's just a little fatigued. Maybe he's, you know, cutting weight or having a, a tough cut. He is a big boy. If you don't know Dustin Poirier, Dustin Poirier is a big guy. He cuts a tremendous amount of weight. And, uh, you know, I would love to see these guys more, you know, on the scale. And uh, I'll get a better read for that. But, you know, I just think it's kind of, I don't know, not a lot of fighters like to deal with the pressure of a Conor McGregor card, but it it comes with it. And, um, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I think that it's really, you know, on just a level of its own. There's There's nothing like it. And, um, you know, he could just be irritable about it, but try not to read too much into that. Yeah, I will tell you, there was a uh, tweet from the press conference, and, and I'll try to find it. But basically, it was uh, Dustin Poirier saying that how the, the Habib fight was a bigger fight for him. And I was like, let's talk to him about two months. Let's see what he says, because I have a feeling that paycheck is going to be substantially larger. You know, when he gets gets those pay-per-view points for this one. But like to me, like I, I look at it from a, a DraftKings aspect, I, I love Connor in this spot, but I think you bring up great points about, you know, if you when you're looking to to for a punt play, Desapoy is a, a quality punt play, especially if you think this fight's gonna make it to the third, fourth, and maybe even the fifth round. You know, now we look at the FanDuel side of the equation is at $21 for McGregor, but $18 at Desapoy. And we've kind of always talked about our little frustration of how they price the main event. Mm-hmm. But you know. Do you like Dustin Poirier as much on Fandle as you do on DraftKings? No, I think I think Poirier is just a simple DraftKings punt. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the best guys in the division, and uh, MMA is a weird sport where anything can happen. Conor McGregor can throw a leg kick, uh, Dustin Poirier checks it, and next thing you know, Conor McGregor you know rolls his ankle. Anything can happen, and the unthinkable happens all the time. So that's why you see so many underdogs come through in this sport. So um, seventy one hundred on DraftKings. Total value there. I do side with Conor McGregor. I predict that he's going to get a finish. Um, I'm going to have my exposure to this fight on Fandle. It's Conor McGregor a pass for me. Appreciate everyone that's already checking in on the YouTube chat. Of course, uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. That really does help us out a lot as well. Of course, if you're not subscribed to Oslo, you got to hit that subscribe button. You got to hit that notification bell. Got shows all day long for you. Of course, uh, coming up you know tomorrow, get you ready for the NBA slate, NHL slate. Of course, uh, conference title weekend in the NFL. And, of course, uh, we'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock. We'll start at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 75 minutes before the start of the fight to get you ready for UFC 257. But uh, let's move right along, Pete. Let's move into the co-main event, Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler, the long-awaited debut in the UFC of Michael Chandler. Uh, you know, Clement in our premium Slack count uh, channel earlier saying, you know, we finally get to see Chandler fight in the UFC uh, and, and he knows he's happy he's not getting an immediate title shot. But look, this is a, a, a potential situation where Michael Chandler could be fighting for a title. You know, whether, you know, we'll see what happens in the main event. We'll see what happens with Habib. But, you know, when I immediately think about this fight, and by the way, we mentioned the salaries, 8500 for Dan Hooker, 7700 for Michael Chandler. Over on FanDuel, kind of interesting pricing here. for Dan Hooker, $18 for Michael Chandler. I I think one of my concerns uh, about this is, A, the reach disadvantage that Michael Chandler does have in this fight. 
And also, you know, we have seen him get rocked, dropped, and and finish, you know, in Bellator. I mean, I think most notably the one that automatically comes to your mind is Patricio Pitbull. But I also think about that second fight against Will Brooks. And we and and we saw how how you know it went for Will Brooks in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let's just say it. Bellator fighters coming over to the UFC have not had the best success, and uh, you know, it's it's different. I mean, you do have two high level organizations. I do think that in the 155 pound weight class, the, the UFC is the place to be. I mean, you have the best fighters there. Um, I think Michael Chandler's in for a very difficult fight here against Dan Hooker. And I think that it's due to the uh, height, the reach, the style of Dan Hooker. You could have asked for plenty of other fights and Chandler would have matched up a heck of a lot better, but I don't think that anybody, you know, in the rankings, the high rankings were uh, looking to accept the fight against Chandler and potentially lose their spot to the new guy on the block. Now, Dan Hooker's a wild man. Dan Hooker doesn't care. He's 10 and five in the UFC. And you saw what he did in glimpses of that Dustin Poirier fight. You know, he's, he's able to turn it on. He's so aggressive. He's so durable. Um, I can, I can throw out the term durable when I think of Dan Hooker because he has taken so many shots. Um, you know, he has, you know, the Edson Barboza is one to think of, but uh, that ended up, you know, resulting in finish. But for the most part, this is a very difficult matchup for Chandler. Now Chandler holds a significant advantage in the, in the wrestling department. And I think that's something he needs to look towards utilizing here. The problem with that is the susceptibility of getting hit from a big shot from Dan Hooker. Uh, you mentioned Chandler being a little chinny on the on the uh, Bellator scene. You know, you think about uh, Patricio, you know, knocking him out. I can think about the Eddie Alvarez wars. Um, he has a lot of wear and tear on his body, and especially his chin. And I think that a knee up the middle from Hooker. Hooker's one of the best guys in the division or in the UFC that throws a knee up the middle. So, so sneaky. And uh, you saw it against Ross Pearson when he knocked him out with that. It's just an incredible technique, and it's something that needs to be utilized against a wrestler. 7,700 for a co-main event, sign me up. Anytime I see co-main event and main event where, you know, you have fighters that are underdogs and some of the best in the division, sign me up as a value play. But I do think Dan Hooker, 8,500, strong play, can get a finish. I'm siding with Hooker as far as, you know, getting the W, but I'm, I'm going to be smashing exposures in both Poirier and Chandler as dogs that could potentially come through. Let me uh, mention this uh, this comment from from Thomas, and it was actually something I was going to bring up about you know Michael Chandler. We all we know about his wrestling abilities, but it, when I said you go, you know, when, when's the last time you, you watched a Michael Chandler fight and looked at someone who is truly going for takedowns? And Thomas's question is, he goes, it's going to be hard for Chandler. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take Hooker down with his length. Do you, do you agree with that at all? Yeah, I do. Because I, I know that, you know, I'm a tall fighter, especially for my, my weight classes. And I know how a lot of short wrestlers struggle to take down tall fighters. And I think that, you know, that is Chandler's best path, um, especially against the cage of tall guys able to, um, you know, spread his legs a lot wider. And when you're able to spread your legs a lot wider while having an, uh, a wizard in an underhook, uh, your opponent can't really connect their hands. And if you ever watch a UFC fight and you notice that if fighters able to connect their hands underneath the bottom of their opponent, nine times out of 10, they're going for a ride. And I just don't see, you know, Chandler being able to do that against Dan Hooker. Open mat, the height shouldn't matter as much. I think that you know, Chandler does have the style to, you know, get some open mat takedowns with a blast double or maybe working a single leg 
trying to get the uh, the tall guy to to really rely on his balance. But I'm excited with Hooker. I think that I want to see Chandler succeed. Like I love Chandler. I really do. I just don't like this matchup. Yeah, I mean, look, there, you know, you you knew once Michael Chandler was signed by the UFC, he was going to be thrown to the wolves. But also, I mean, you know, as people can see on the heat sheet, they can go over to Osmo.com. They can see your heat sheet. And of course, you got a, a ton of great content over there at Osmo.com. Free content that you can check out it is the age of Michael Chandler. I mean, this is, you know, it's taken him. You know, he, he's made a lot of money in Bellator. No question about that. Now, of course, if you want to get access to the great premium tools and content we have over at Osmo.com, you got to sign up for an also plus weekly pass for $29.95. And you see at the bottom of the screen right now, got a great promo co- going on right now. Use the promo code Connor to get an MMA weekly pass for $2.57. Once again, that's promo code Connor, C O N O R, so you can uh, have access to all the great tools and content. I know uh, Alex just about uh, a little while ago put up all the tools and content for UFC 257, so you can check those ownership projections, fire projections, whatnot. Of course, uh, the ownership projections are the thing that I'm always looking at because uh, I do, I do hand build a lot of my, my MMA lineups. You know, obviously I still use fancy cruncher cause I want to see the kind of lineups you know, that cruncher is going to give me. But uh, you know, I do pay attention a lot to those ownership projections because look, I, I think we're going to see this main event. Co-main event is going to be where a lot of people are going to look at. I mentioned about on FanDuel, don't really love the price on Michael Chandler at $18. You you wish you could get a little bit of a value there in, in terms of that. Dan Hooker at $19 is interesting. Um, you know, I, I would say that I, I agree with everything you said, but I, I would say, you know, I might have more exposure to Dan Hooker, but you yeah. got to have exposure to Michael Chandler. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, last week's card, uh, last week's card, Wednesday's card, we absolutely killed it. The picks were amazing. Um, but the one fighter that let us down was uh, Munir Lazaz in the Coleman event spot. And I thought that was a really nice spot for him to display his talents. And it goes to show you that main events and Coleman events are some of the close, they should be some of the closely contested bouts on the whole fight card because you have two guys that are kind of neck and neck. So always prioritize main event, co-main event when you're looking for dogs sometimes. Next up, we got Just Guy against JoJo Calderwood. Just Guy, 7,800 on DK, 8,400 for JoJo. And they are both $15 on FanDuel. And I wanted to, one thing I want to mention about this fight is the new DraftKings scoring system because we have now had two fight, two UFC events. And there you can see Pete, uh, you know, because we were, we were going back and forth on this. And I am sure that there were a lot of people in the same boat that I was. On Wednesday, where Sumadarji just screwed us in terms of, of really how I had I had an excellent lineup on a Fanduel in their story I had an excellent lineup on Fanduel. Unfortunately, had Sumadarji in, in captain spot, but on, right. on DraftKings, it, it, it just showed with this new scoring system with getting only point two points per total strikes and another point two points for significant strikes. If you have a fight that stays on the feet, there are no knockdowns. And it's not a fighter who is throwing five plus strikes per minute. It's not going to equal a great score. It's a great point. It is a great point. I mean, if you don't have volume strikers like uh, Max Holloway and Calvin Cater, then, and it's a stand up affair, it's probably not going to have the best score. And I do agree with that. I'm not really a fan of this new DraftKings scoring. I, I love the times when I could look at a fight, watch a fight, and do the mental math where I could already say, okay, he's going to get this amount of points. Now I got to sit here and I got, you know, I got to think about control time and I got equations running through my head. I, you know, forget all that. But regardless, it's, this is a, this is a fight that's, you know, not the most exciting fight, but you know, you're talking about Calderwood looking to return from, she should have had a title shot. She gave up that title shot by accepting that fight. And that was, we talked about it. You're tempting the MMA gods. And whenever you tempt the MMA gods, they like to uh, throw a monkey wrench in your plans. And that's exactly what happened there. Um, I will say that Calderwood will have the volume edge here. Um, the problem with Calderwood is obviously if she, uh, you know, can get submitted, she has been submitted in the past, but Jessica, I is a low volume striker has wrestling. Doesn't implement the wrestling though. I think this is going to be a stand up affair, like you mentioned. And I, I foresee Calderwood kind of, you know, getting the better of Jessica. I not a fight. I'm prioritizing now. I will have exposure, but it's not a priority for me. 
One of the uh, questions uh, from Miles, he says, how does Jessica I beat JoJo? I see JoJo winning nine out of ten times. I think that Jessica I needs to – I mean, there was a stretch in time where Jessica I lost, what, four or five fights in a row in the UFC? Yeah. I mean, her job was on the line, and I don't know. I, I'm not a big Jessica I fan, but she does make fights competitive because she's able to compete on the feet, um, usually in low-volume affairs. It can kind of be like a three strikes to two strikes type of deal. You know, if you're looking at the stats, and obviously they can be inflated based on some performances, you have Calderwood at six strikes per minute and I at 3.6. So she's going to be lagging in the in the volume department. But, uh, you know, probably the clinch. I would say that the clinch is something that she needs to utilize here to kind of uh, nullify the speed and the, uh, you know, the evasive movement of Calderwood. Maybe look to plan her on her back. I highly doubt that because in the UFC, she's landed uh, 0.4 takedowns per 15 minutes. And, and that's a great point. I was actually going to bring up about the strikes landed per minute. Of course, people can check out the heat sheet over there at awesome.com. 6.17 strikes per minute for Jojo Calderwood, 3.65 for Jessica. I. I, I would tell you this when I saw that number on Jessica, I, I was surprised. I just, for what reason, I thought it was higher than that. I mean, She's she probably throws more than that. I mean, it's just like she doesn't land that much because she doesn't move her feet a lot with her strikes. Uh, she's pretty flat footed. And, uh, you know, I think she's just been pretty underwhelming as of late. But, uh, you know, you could do worse than women's MMA and, and picking the contrarian, you know, pick. I was surprised with the odds. I thought that Calder would be heavily favored, but she's not because people see she just lost, you know, and uh, was finished. So. I think Calderwood's pretty good, and I think she's looking to bounce back here. How about on Fandle, both at $15? Yeah, I mean, let's think about it, right? Because Fandle, you bring into, uh, you know, takedowns defended into the equation. I don't really see either one of them going for, you know, too many takedowns. Oddly enough, uh, Calderwood has shot the more takedowns and landed the more takedowns in the UFC. Um, You know, she's fine if she gets on top. She has some sneaky jujitsu, and uh, I've always been impressed with her skill set. But if she's going up against somebody who is, uh, you know, superior in that grappling department, she does not fare well in that, you know, in that area of the fight. So, fifteen dollars, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about building those Fanduel lineups, you know, you know, th- there may be some other fighters that are a little less than fifteen dollars that intrigue me more than both both of the these ladies. I mean, I just I look at them on DraftKings. I just don't see it being high scoring, just primarily based on that new DraftKings scoring system. You know, I mean, you know, Sumadarji, I want to say he landed 50 total strikes under the old system, he would have got 10 more points. It's a great point. It is a great point. Yeah. I mean I'm not prioritizing this fight. I'll have some. I'll be underweight to the field most likely. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got a matchup. Matt Frivola taking on Oppen Azatar. Azatar, 8,800, 7,400 for Frivola. And then over on Fandle, $20 for Azatar, $10 for Frivola. Uh, to me, this is if you're going to be an Azatar backer in this one, this is straight GPP all the way. Uh, I, I see if he's going to get a, a, a win here, it'll, it'll likely be a TKO within the first seven, eight minutes. But one of the things about Matt Frivola, this guy. You mentioned about durability with Dan Hooker. This is a guy who's got durability. We've seen him take some shots, but also we've seen him get dropped. I mean, Azatar, this could be, you know, a very, you know, when everyone's looking at fighters like Connor, Amanda Rebos, uh, you know, some of these other high price options, Khalil Roundtree, this may be a guy that you might be able to gain some leverage as someone who can easily get over 100 points. Yeah, I think that Azatar needs to be circled as a guy that could get you that quick win bonus under a minute. It's just, you know, when he throws shots and he hits people, they fall. I mean, look what he did to Comet Worthy. Um, look what he did to uh, Team Pakalan. I mean, like, uh, th- this guy really cracks, and he has good boxing. Um, starting to develop a decent team around him as well. Uh, so he's not really a one-trick pony, but I do wonder if Frivola is able to, A, avoid some shots, and start to implement takedowns. How does Azatar's power fare as the fight goes on? Is he a type of guy that really, you know, has early power and it fades throughout the fight because he just gets so zapped? I think that Azatar is the A side of the fight, clearly. Uh, and I'm going to have plenty of them. And I think that at 92% finish rate, 13-0, he's undefeated, undefeated for a reason. 2-0 in the UFC. 
You have Matt Frivola, value play. Not many people probably going to be looking in his direction. So it's a contrarian value play that I will have some, some exposure to because he's like the little engine that could, you know, he gets dropped, probably has the record for getting dropped the most in the UFC. And uh, he's able to will his way back into fights and, you know, start to implement takedowns, the clinch, and, uh, you know, actually is a really, really good training partner for a strong crew up in uh, Long Island. So he's clearly skilled. And this could be a decent, decent overlooked play, 7,400 for Vola. But as far as picking the fight, I'm going to smash my exposure to Azatar. There are some there are some underdogs on this card I have virtually no interest in. I have limited, like a sprinkle interest in uh, Frivola. Yeah, one of the things I will tell you to mention about Frivola, you know, a lot of people talk about his work with uh, the Sarah Longo team. He basically, he spins, it's a split camp. Half his camp is here in Tampa with Gracie uh, South Tampa. And then he spends, you know, part of the time up at Sarah Longo MMA as well. So that, that you know, something you know, I I hear a lot of people talk about his time at Longo, but he spends as just as much time here in Tampa uh, with Gracie Tampa and, and the team here. Yeah, I mean, both both good camps. I, I'm just saying, like, as far as like, he's not a guy that's you know a part of some unknown camp and you know training himself. I mean, he's surrounded by good guys, so uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this fight. Yeah, I mean, just. Uh, just looking at his Twitter timeline, the last time he posted that he was at Sarah Longo was back in Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it makes sense too. You have to think of like areas and, you know, in the COVID era, we've talked about this where a ton of States, a ton of countries, you know, you're dealing with different regulations and uh, what States are allowing it and what fighters can't travel. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that this is an interesting fight to target for bowl is clearly a GPP dart throw. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to imagine the team has told him we gotta get this thing to the ground. Yeah. Well, let's mean, let's not have a boxing match here. Right. And and like I understand if people don't want to have any exposure to Frivola, that's probably a smart thing to do. But like Frivola was able to uh he's fought a bunch of strikers, right? And he's been able to withstand damage, get dropped. You know, his chin is suspect. But he does have a win over Luis Pena and Jalen Turner, two guys that have some some pretty clean, crisp striking. So uh, he just got to weather the storm. We'll see. It's unlikely, though. And first fight since the end of 2019 for him. He's had some injuries, had, had to pull out a fight. There was a, a COVID situation where uh, one of his corner men tested positive for COVID, and they both had to drive 40 hours back to Tampa together. What do you oh. think that drive – could you imagine, Pete, if you were fighting in Vegas and one of your corner men – tested positive for COVID and you weren't fighting for that. And now you're in a car 40 plus hours with them. What are you going to do though? I mean, what are you going to do? Hopefully you got compensated or got something. I don't think that they did. I mean, what happens in situations like this? Because if, if the fight doesn't go through, does the UFC compensate them because they got COVID or does the UFC say, Hey, uh, shouldn't have got COVID should have been, you know, should have been more careful. I'm not sure in that situation, but it was, uh, it was, it was Billy Q. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I could, I could, I could, I'm, I'm sure after the first hour or so it, they got through it, but you got to imagine that first hour for Volherty. I mean, he had to be just furious, had to be. Oh, of course. I mean, it's a situation outside of your control. At the end of the day, what are you going to do? I know how I have been when I've had opponents pull out of fights the day of, or they've missed weight, or they've, they've had something medically wrong, and then, you know, the fights scrap the day of and how upset you get. So I could only imagine. Yeah, it's uh, but it's the world we live in. Uh, the opening fight of the pay-per-view female matchup, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Rivas. Amanda Rivas, 8,900 on DK. Rodriguez, 7,000. Then over on FanDuel, $20 for Rivas, $9 for Rodriguez. You know, the one thing that, uh, obviously, there's a, a ton of hype um, around Amanda Rivas. You know, her, her, her star power has just blossomed. Oh, over the past couple of months, especially after that win against Paige Van Zamp last year. But, you know, while she is the fighter everyone's talking about, if we want to talk about who has had the tougher uh, test to this point in their UFC career, to me, it's Marina Rodriguez. Not, not saying I'm picking her to win. I'm just saying she's, she's faced a tougher level of competition to this point. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand what the UFC is doing in certain situations, and uh, you have to be careful 
to not fall in love with that prospect title because we've seen so many prospects bust. And, uh, you know, at one time, Paige Van Zandt was viewed as a prospect. Let's not forget that. So, uh, you know, I think Amanda Rebus is legit. I think she comes from a great camp in American Top Team. She has good striking, good grappling, and, uh, you know, good fight IQ. So she's 10-1. and one. Super skilled, does have some good wins. Some wins have aged well, especially that win over Mackenzie Dern. Uh, as far as uh, Rodriguez, she's no slouch. So I don't want people to think that this is a cakewalk matchup because if Rodriguez keeps this fight standing, it's highly competitive. And it- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is, uh, you know, she's a live underdog at $7,000. She really is. She can definitely win a striking match against Amanda Hebos. I think that uh, I'm, I'm picking Hebos to win the fight. I think she can get it to the mat because once she can get it to the mat, she has good ground and pound, uh, good jiu-jitsu, and uh, good top control. Just good jiu-jitsu overall. Um, Rodriguez looks lost once she's on her back. Uh, you know, I think that if Rodriguez keeps it up, keeps it in the clinch, things could get interesting, but he bosses my pick 9,200. Not sure if I pay that price tag too much. I, I'd rather take Conor McGregor 9,100 or, uh, you know, somebody like Azatar who could give me that quick win bonus. Now she could go out there and get a quick submission win. Definitely possible, but at 9,200, you're paying for the name. I'm going to be a little underweight, but I think she should win. Of course, uh, you see there at the bottom of the screen, Amanda Hebos, a minus 300 betting favorite. And when you want to check out the betting odds, just go over to oddshopper.osimo.com to check out the lines where you can price out who has the best lines. And you can sign up free today and track your bets and receive alerts when a line moves. Maybe maybe you want to see maybe if Amanda Rebus gets down to like minus 275, that's when you want to hop on it. You got to sign up there over at oddshopper.osimo.com. Don't make a bet without shopping the odds first. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Amanda. How does Marina Rodriguez get the job done? If someone is looking at, at a, a punt play, maybe they don't want to go the, the Dustin Poye route. Marina Rodriguez at 7,400. Can she, how can she get it done? She needs to keep it on the feet and uh, she needs to keep it on the feet. And it's not, saying that Amanda Hebos can't win on the feet because she can. But that's really her path to victory here. Uh, reverse some positions, implement that great Muay Thai. I mean, she's had moments, and a lot of people think that she has, you know, been highly competitive even in her losses. So I just, I think that Amanda Hebos is the, is the real deal. 12-1, and one, Marina Rodriguez is. Um, you think about her, her split decision loss to uh, Carla Esparza, who had a hell of a performance. Um, Cynthia Calvillo draw went over Tisha Torres, Jessica Aguilar draw over Rana Marcos. So, I mean, she's good. She's totally good. She's live standing up, but once it hits the mat, I think a he, he should, uh, dominate this fight. Let's move over to the preliminary card. Uh, a great matchup. That's going to be featured here on the preliminary, preliminary card. Uh, Sarukian gets Haparaz, Sarukian 8,900, 7,300 for Haparaz and, and $20 on FanDuel for Sarukian and $9 on Haparaz. You know, when we were talking uh, before the show, you had, you know, one of the fights, and I'm glad you you brought it up, is the fight that he had with Islam Makachev, where, I mean, it was a fight going into it. I, no one gave him a chance, and he he showed us all his abilities, but he is obviously a big favorite in this one. Yeah, I think this is a highly competitive fight. I'm extremely interested on both sides. I do favor Armand Sarukian, though. I think that uh, whenever somebody debuts and they take on Islam Makachev, and uh, it's a back and forth affair. Ultimately, loses a decision, but I mean, wasn't really dominated. And uh, you know, he had moments, and then you know, rebounds from that has a win over Olivier Aubin Mercier, 
who a lot of people were high on at one time, then guess what? Davi Hamos. Davi Hamos is legit, you know, great jujitsu, good power in his hands, went out there, just outclassed him. Now, I would temper expectations because, uh, you know, Sarukian's finishability in the UFC hasn't got there yet. You know, 67% overall in his career. He's 15-2. and two. Going up against uh, Nazrat Akbaras, who has some, some amazing hands, some phenomenal hands. But I think that, you know, as far as overall game, I like what Armand Sarukian could do. He can, you know, stand up on the feet with Nazrat Akbaras. He can, you know, trade punches. He can add kicks where Nasrat's predominantly a boxer. Armand excels with the kicks, has some knockouts with the kicks. And guess what? If he's losing exchanges, he can mix things up and he can go and take you down and just outclass you there. He is the better overall fighter here. Now, I know that Hawk Frost has made you know strides in his game, has made changes in his game, and has power in his hands. And whenever you have a highly you know technical and skilled striker, you need to be on watch and circle that name. So Hawk Ross 7,300, the value is crazy. You know, I think that, you know, if you look at what he's done uh, lately, got a, a win over uh, Alex Munoz, then, you know, obviously the one that sticks in your memory is the, you know, the knockout loss to Drew Dober, but Drew Dober's really, really hot in the UFC and has really turned into a, a force within the division. All in all, I like this fight. And I think that Sarukian gets another win. Hawk Prost is a little wide with his shots. So I wonder if, you know, maybe he gets capitalized on a wide shot straight down the middle by Sarukian. So have your exposure to Hawk Prost at 7,300. I'm definitely, he's a dog I circled, but Sarukian 8,900, I love to play. Yeah, it's it's a fight on the preliminary card that I'm really interested to kind of see how it does play off. Let's move on to the matchup between Brad Tavares and Antonio Carlos Jr. 8,700 for Tavares, 7,500 for Carlos Jr., and it's $18 for Tavares on FanDuel, $11 for Carlos Jr. I mean, look, the, the path to victory for Carlos Jr. is very clear. It's, it's to get this fight to the ground and submit Brad Tavares. But the question, Pete, becomes, how does Carlos Jr. do that? Yeah, I talk about it all the time of how, you know, jiu-jitsu fighters usually struggle to get opponents down, um, you know, especially when you don't have a gi. They don't have the best takedowns, and I think that a lot of jiu-jitsu fighters should look to you know, learn wrestling a lot more. Um, I know that Carlos Jr. is surrounded by a phenomenal team, so I'm sure that he's obviously working on takedowns. It's just not his bread and butter, and I will say that Brad Tavares is very good. 8700 for Brad Tavares. I don't love the price tag, but I do like him in this matchup. I think as long as he st- uh, keeps it on the feet, keeps it standing, he's going to win the fight. He's going to uh, have his moments on the feet, could potentially hurt and rock Carlos Jr., the big X factor is obviously if he keeps it on the feet. Um, Carlos Jr.'s gas tank is a little questionable as well. And I think against such, against such a durable Brad Tavares, that could be a recipe for disaster right there. I mean, Carlos Jr., it takes one slip. He can spin around, choke you out. That's just how it is. He's a, you know, a live underdog, 7,500. But I think Brad Tavares is the A side of this fight, and I think he's going to beat him. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Tavares on $18. I think he might be a high price option that could, you might be able to gain some leverage in, in terms of, you know, creating yourself a, a unique lineup, you know, because, you know, Carlos Jr., he's, and you, you've mentioned this point before, what we're talking about, you know, just when you look at elite level grapplers, they don't exactly have this great double leg takedown, a great single leg takedown to get the fight to the ground. So I do wonder, you know, could Brad Tavares rack up some takedown defenses where that's obviously key over on on DraftKings, or excuse me, on FanDuel, on DraftKings, I think the question just becomes if, if Brad Tavares goes out there wins by decision, and we know the and and people can see the amount of wins he does have by decision over over at Osmo.com on, on your piece, is can he score enough on DK? Yeah, it's a great point. I think that he is more of a FanDuel play because of the takedowns defended. Brad Tavares in his career, forty one percent finish rate, uh, seventeen and six overall, so that's really not a good ratio, Jason. Um, you know, I, before I, you know, I look at this card and I look at every card and I kind of do like first impressions and I make like a first impression list. And then I go through and I look at tape and I look at, you know, deep studies of everybody. My first impression was Carlos Jr. would win this fight. And then I started to think, okay, well, how is he really going to get the fight down to the mat? Because he could have takedowns early, but I don't foresee him getting an early takedown and an early finish. Um, I think he would need to get multiple takedowns. 
And he's a guy that struggles with his gas tank. So whenever you have to rely on multiple takedowns and you're a jiu-jitsu fighter and you struggle with your gas tank, I think Brad Tavares is good. I, I think he is. Uh, obviously, you're, you're worried about the layoffs for both of these guys and uh, especially Brad Tavares. How does he rebound from the loss, the knockout loss to uh, Emmett Shabazian? You know, we'll have to see. But if you go back and you look at that uh, Israel Adesanya fight, it was competitive. He didn't get knocked out. He did get outclassed, but he, he looked decently, you know, he looked pretty decent in moments. Yeah, well, a comment over in YouTube, uh, it says GPP value play Carlos Jr. Yeah, I, I would say definitely GPP. He's he's definitely a value play at, at 7,500 because, look, if Carlos Jr. wins this fight, the likelihood is he's going to win by submission within the first two rounds. If this, to me, if this is a fight that makes it to the third round, it is favor Brad Tavares. And, and I'll say this, if you're, if you're betting this fight, Pay attention to live betting. This fight hits the third round. You and you have a good and say Carlos Jr.'s won the first two rounds. Live bet Brad Tavares in that third round. Yeah, I I wish I could live bet. I think I'd be walking around with Gucci and all that good stuff. But uh, you know, I can't I can't live bet. So if you can live bet, take advantage of it. Another fight to live bet potentially, Chandler Hooker. Yes, I could see Michael Chandler getting up two rounds to nothing, and then all of a sudden. Wears down, Dan Hooker potentially takes over, gets a late third round finish. Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen what, you know, Hooker, as long as he has a pulse, he's going to be there and he's going to keep fighting and, uh, you know, taking a ton of damage in that Dustin Poirier fight and and came through. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this Tavares-Carlos Jr. fight. We'll have to see how it plays out, but I do favor Tavares. Look, I know what you're excited for. You're excited for the 8,200-8,000 matchup between Juliana Pena and Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon is the 8,200 side in this one. Then over on Dra- uh, FanDuel, $16 for McMahon, $13 for Juliana Pena. Um, this is another fight that I, I think when we're talking about DraftKings, you got to think about the dra- new DraftKings scoring system. If you're taking Sarah McMahon, your thought process has got to be, she is going to use her wrestling, multiple takedowns, control time to rack up points. If this fight plays out on the feet, I, I think it's not a great score on DraftKings. But if this fight does go to the ground, Sarah McMahon has to be careful when we're talking about the submission ability of Juliana Pena. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that uh, Sarah McMahon here, it's tough to trust. She is 40 years old. And, uh, you know, both, both of these ladies haven't really been the most active under the UFC banner. They just haven't uh, for, for different reasons. But uh, Sarah McMahon, former Olympian, phenomenal wrestler. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why she should get out wrestled to Juliana Pena. And I don't think that she will. I think that Pena enjoys clinching too much for her own good in a, in a matchup like this. Like you mentioned the possibility that this is a stand-up, for, uh, stand-up fight and maybe that, you know, it doesn't score well. I, I just see how Juliana Pena crashes forward almost blindly, kind of just like, like, like an amateur as far as striking, closes the gap too quick. Sarah McMahon gets the clinch. Next thing you know, they're against the cage or on the mat. Now, my worry with McMahon is obviously her submission lapses, where it seems at times, despite being a phenomenal wrestler and you know having good pressure and top game, that she can get reversed or put into some precarious positions where she starts to tap quickly. And guess what? Some people will go out, go out in their shield or some people will panic tap. And we have seen McMahon panic tap. I think that this is a tricky fight. Pena at 8,000, obviously it's priced according. She's been tough. She, you know, has had some phenomenal performances. It goes two ways in my head. McMahon, dominates Pena on the mat, maintains tons of control time, kind of like a Chandler, I mean, not Chandler, kind of like a Chiesa last card where it's tons of top time. And then, uh, or Juliana Pena is able to scramble out of some positions, threaten with submissions and gets a finish. That's really the only way I see this fight going. I will actually side with McMahon with the control time. I am, I am getting exposure to Pena. It's a close fight. It's a weird fight. I don't really care for the fight, but it's happening. So I got to give you my analysis. I think McMahon's going to get it done. Does the age concern you on Sarah McMahon? Yeah, yes and no, because you know what? 
back in the day, I'd say, yes, it concerns me. Guess what? I'm 30 years old now. So now that whole age thing. 30 years old. Oh, wow. You are so old over there. (laughs) But in fighting, like, you know what I mean? Like, you think of 35, a lot of fighters' careers are starting to, you know, to stop. I don't like thinking about the age thing, but I can't ignore it. I have to take that into consideration. Obviously, 40, she does have a lot of wear and tear on her body from all those years of wrestling. Um, But, I mean, she's phenomenal at grappling, at wrestling. By the way, love the comment in, in the YouTube chat on your shirt. Yeah, I'm just glad. Look, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the YouTube actual video. It's not as sparkly as it looked in our in our uh, in our pre-show. It looks sparkly. It's not sparkly. It's just white po- like white dots. That's all it is. But hey, as somebody said, Gianno said Pete's going to the club after this in that shirt. It is a good club shirt. I put it on. My girl got it for me. And I put it on. I was like, yo, this, I would wear this to the club. I kind of like it. Yeah. You ain't catching me in the club at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, Tyler COVID life. No, thank you. Uh, Tyler says it sparkles. That's phenomenal. Well, guess what? In reality, this thing doesn't sparkle. So I don't know. Maybe Pete was just painting and he came <laughs> and he's dabbling the shirt a little bit. I, you know, Conor McGregor makes you bust out some like crazy different wardrobe. So. Yeah, he was he was looking he was looking uh, sharper that suit he was wearing today at, at the press conference. Let's move on. Uh, matchup that to me is got GPP written all over Khalil Roundtree and Marcin Pachino ninety three hundred for Roundtree Pachino sixty nine hundred over on Fanduel twenty two dollars for Roundtree eight dollars for Pachino. I mean this is this is GPP all the way. Um, not a cash fight in, in my terms, just because of. Uh, you know, you, you've had both these guys kind of talk about, you, you know, using that R word, which we know, you know, fighters do not like to use. Um, you know, we've seen Clue Roundtree, you know, since making that move out the Tiger Muay Thai of how he's redeveloped his game. I mean, you think about that Eric Anders fight that he had where, uh, well, yeah, was it four knockdowns in that fight? Just a, a one-sided beatdown in terms of that fight. But to me, you know, look, I, I think that if you're if you're playing 150 lineups, you still got to sprinkle in the underdog here. But to me, you have to have m- way more exposure to Khalil Roundtree. I mean, he's likely going to be highly owned. Of course, if you want to check out the ownership projections, you see it right there at the bottom of the screen. Sign up for MMA Weekly Pass for $2.57. We use that promo code Connor, C-O-N. Oh, are I, I guess first off, how how does the underdog pull it off here? Uh, underdog pulls it off by not getting hit by Khalil Roundtree, but good luck. Um, I think that this is a fight to target. You're going to get a quick finish bonus from one of these guys, whether they, you know, somebody's going to win quick. But I, I have to think that it's Khalil Roundtree, right? Bangkok ready. He looks phenomenal since going out to Thailand. Just looks incredible. Like good stance, good power, good aggressiveness. For being such a nice guy, he is one of the meanest fighters I have ever seen in the octagon. And I can say that with full confidence. Like, he's mean, and I love it. And that's what you want in a 9K option to get that Francis Ngannou quick bonus. Um, you know, practically, you know, outside the UFC, racked up some some impressive knockouts. If you look at his career overall, it does have an 85% finish rate out of 13 victories. That's pretty high. Like, you know, when you start to get above 75% finish rate, you know, that that's impressive. And it just has not translated over to the UFC at all. Now, the knockout is always possible against uh, Khalil Roundtree because Khalil at times has shown some susceptibility to getting hit and rocked and knocked out from some, from some shots. But I can't even – I watched the highlights and I watched the fight today. I can't even, like, like tell you how impressive that knockout win is over Gokan Saki. People don't understand how good Saki is of a kickboxer. And Roundtree went out there and put that left hand right on his chin. So Roundtree should win this fight. Our friend Mike Rodriguez absolutely destroyed Pracneo in the previous mm-hmm. bout. You know, put him in the tie clinch, went elbow, knee, elbow, knee, and it was a wrap. And uh, I think Roundtree, Bangkok ready, he's going to get it done. But you mentioned have this, have some exposure to Pracneo because if he wins, which is extremely unlikely, it's by knockout. Yeah, no, no question about it. This is a straight up GPP fight. GPP fight. Now, if you ever do miss our shows, all majority of our shows are available on the Osmo Podcast Network. So for whatever reason, maybe you can't watch me and Pete live here on a Thursday as you get you ready for these Saturday fights. Be sure to subscribe to the Osmo UFC 
podcast feed. Uh, hit, you know, give us a five star review. Hit that like button. It really does help us out a lot. It helps that that algorithm out. It helps uh, myself and Pete out a lot. And of course, uh, when you leave a five star review on one of our podcasts, you have a chance to win a free month of also plus apply them. You see it right there on the screen, or you can get links to all of the show as uh, Jake and Anthony make sure that show gets up there. So uh, you know, be sure to check that out over there, a part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. We've got three more fights to uh, break down here. Uh, they're all part of the early prelims. We've got Andrew Sanchez taking on Mahmoud Muradov, eighty six hundred for Muradov, seventy six hundred for Sanchez, and then over on Fanduel, seventeen for Muradov, thirteen for Sanchez. Uh, you know, the one thing that Sanchez always concerns you is the gas tank. He does tend to wear down as the fight goes on. Meridov, which I believe is the only MMA fighter under the Floyd Mayweather management team, um, you know, but he has trained uh, in Vegas, but it looks like he is not trained in Vegas leading up to this one. So what's your take on this one? I absolutely love uh, Meridov here. I do think that uh, Sanchez is probably one of the best underdogs. You're talking about a guy who was the ultimate fighter winner, um, has a, a complete game and he's able to strike he's able to wrestle but wrestling is his bread and butter and he's he's able to really implement that but over the course of 15 minutes he does show you know like limited gas tank and that's what worries me here in a matchup like this because Muradov has good striking and uh good good grappling and wrestling for what I've been able to see from his show, from his fights I think that Muradov is a name to pay attention to going forward is 24 and 6 overall 79% finish rate for Muradov of 24 victories. That's highly impressive. Um, you know, he knocks out a lot of people. But uh, I, I like this fight. I'm going to target both sides of it. Muradov, in my opinion, is uh, the A side. I'm going to, you know, lean a lot more towards him. I just think that he's going to be able to get out to a fast start, wear down Sanchez, potentially finish him. But uh, the way Sanchez gets this done is by pressing Muradov against the cage and making a fight ugly. Lots of clinching, lots of shooting for takedowns, lots of trying to zap Murdoch's gas tank. But I think in turn, in doing that, Sanchez is going to be extremely zapped. So it's Murdoch for me, but uh, 7,600 for a guy that's constantly come through in the UFC, you, you could do worse. Yeah, if this is if this fight makes it to the third round, whether maybe it's 1-1 or maybe 2-0 Sanchez, if you're a Sanchez backer in this one, you are going to be nervous heading that third round. This is another live betting potential based on you know how this fight goes on by Griffith. Murdov is the guy I look at. Uh, then we got Nick Lentz gets uh, Evelev 6,800 for Nick Lentz. Of course, originally supposed to take on Mike Grundy uh, in this spot. Uh, Evelev 9,400. He's 22 on FanDuel, $8 for Nick Lentz. Um, you know, Nick Lentz, I, you know, when I look at this fight, all the advantages are with the favorite here. So how does Nick Lentz get it done? Well, We'll say that Nick Lentz, he's actually a lot of people don't know that he's a tough guy, good overall game, is 36 at this stage in his career, has taken a ton of damage. Um, and uh, I, I will say that, uh, you know, Nick Lentz had a, a falling out with American top team. And when Nick Lentz, you know, had a falling out with American top team, you know, he had, he, he was upset with the owner, Dan Lambert and said, put me against any of your fighters and we'll do a side bet for $50,000 and I'll come out victorious. And I, I think that, you know, Mozart Evelov has, has trained at American top team. So it's interesting here. It's very interesting here, but I think that Mozart Evelov at 9,400, he's able to have the striking advantage, the wrestling advantage, the durability as well. He's undefeated for a reason, 13 and 0. Um, 6,800, if you want to target a guy that has, you know, nearly 50 fights and Nick Lentz, who's seen it all in the cage and you think that he's going to get over on this prospect. I understand, you know, Nick Lentz has some great, great wins in the UFC and, uh, he has competed higher in, in higher weight classes. Um, but it's Mozart Elbowev here at, at 9,400. I think that Elbowev's a strong play. Uh, you know, and then our first fight of the night, you got Albazi against Zogus, seventy nine hundred for Albazi, eighty three hundred for Zogus. He's sixteen dollars on Fanduel, and then fourteen dollars for Albazi on Fanduel. So uh, this is one that I kind of feel like a lot of people may target, just mainly because of the price. Yeah, the price and the box score, right? Like 
everybody wants to target a fighter who's coming off of a win and kind of want to fade somebody who's coming off of a loss. And what we have here is uh, a guy under 8K that, um, you know, coming off of a finish and has that box score of 107 points on DraftKings at Albazi at 7,900. You know, he looks like the premier play, but if you do a deep dive and you look at their respective careers, you know, regionally, I will say that uh, Zalgas Zumagalov has the no- the more notable names on his resume. I mean, Ali Bagatinov, um, just fought uh, Halion Paiva. I mean, it, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, Zumagalov is so tested outside the UFC. And Albazi's good. Albazi's not like a, a one-trick pony. He has good wrestling and phenomenal submission ability. I think that Zumagalov is able to outclass him in all aspects, though. Zumagalov can grapple. Zumagalov, you know, can outstrike him, um, frustrate him, has the experience edge, can scramble. You know, Albazi's got a lot of quick finishes, 92, 92% finish rate out of 13 victories. And I, I would say that's amazing for DraftKings. And if you want to just go by that stat and you think he's going to get a finish, by all means, do it. But the problem with guys who finish fights the majority of the time is that they don't have that, that uh, you know, they haven't been tested over the duration of three total rounds. So how does he look if he's unable to get the, the early finish? I think that Zumagalov's a sneaky play here at 8,300, and I like him. Yeah, I know uh, someone had asked in the chat uh, to go back uh, on uh, the Nick Lentz fight, asking what weight it's at. It's at a catch weight. Yeah, I remember uh, Evelov took this fight on short notice. I think it's probably 150. Oh, really? I have 45 now. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, get confirmation on that, but it, it is a catch weight fight. It is not uh, a 145 pound fight, which I would imagine is primarily due to uh, the short notice part of it. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, as far as like competing at a higher weight class, Nick Lentz has that experience. Evluev, you know, I, I think that he's going to get it done here. He's a heavy favorite. Just needs to avoid the chokes of Nick Lentz because Nick Lentz has dangerous chokes, can chain them together, um, can also, you know, threaten with with takedowns. But he just needs to be careful because in his previous fight, um, Evluev was caught in, you know, like a Dars guillotine, um, depending on the angle of it and had to really bail and roll out of that. If Nick Lentz gets, gets a hold of your neck, he probably finishes the choke. And it is at 150 pounds. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get some uh, fight picks in here before we get uh, answer some questions. We'll get out of here for this edition of the strategy show. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. If you have not do that so far, also be sure to hit that subscribe button and notification bell. So, you know, when a new show is live here, on the channel, let's, uh, let's start with the very first fight of the night, the fight we just talked about, the Albazi and Zagas. Yeah, I'm going Zamagalov. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm going to say, and by the way, these are our straight-up picks, not DFS-related. Uh, I, I I definitely like Evolov against Lentz. Yeah, I like him. I like Evolov as well. Give me uh, Miradov against Sanchez. Miradov, yep. Sanchez is probably the best, best underdog, though. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're both on round three here. Yep, Roundtree. Uh, Pena and McMahon. Uh, McMahon. Give me Juliana Pena. So we got the first disagree. I'm, 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 I've got the highlighters out to see which fight we disagree on the straight up picks here. Uh, Tavares against Antonio Carlos Jr. Tavares. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Sarukian against Haparas. Sarukian. I'm with you on that one. Rebus and Rodriguez. Rebus. I go with the same there. Azatar and Favola. Azatar. All right, we're, 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 we're in line so far here. Calderwood and Jessica I. Calderwood. I agree with you there. Uh, this is the one I went back and forth on, Hooker and Chandler. Same. I'm going Hooker. I'm going, I wanted to take Chandler, but I, I just, I, I'm, going, I'm going Dan Hooker. Trust me, I want to say Chandler, too. He's one of my favorite fighters. I, I've fought in Bellator. I've looked up to Michael Chandler. I want him to win. But and I'm, then going, the main, I'm going Hooker. And then the main event, uh, give me Conor McGregor. Yeah, Conor McGregor. You know what? Tanner mentioned something uh, in the chat. He goes, no underdog picks, Pete. You're right. You're right. I don't like any dogs here as far as, like, for me to, to really think that they're, they're going to win. You're right, Tanner. 
But as far as exposure on DraftKings, I have to get to some dogs. Um, and uh, I've narrowed it down to a couple of them that I'm going to really get exposure to. I think that Chandler, Poirier, uh, Sanchez are three to start with. There's a couple other. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's my mindset behind it all. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Matt here in the chat says, Connor, 21 seems cheap compared to say Santiago Ponsoni about $23 last Saturday. Great, great point uh, that, that you mentioned there. Yeah. Um, That's that hindsight 2020 right there. Yeah. Uh, Miles says what does Chandler do best? Haven't seen a lot of his sights. I mean, he, he's a wrestler, but he is a wrestler that has fallen in love with his hands. Yeah. He's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Just want to get a couple of questions here that maybe we had not uh, got to when we were talking about the fights. Uh, I, I I know we'll get the you know maybe it's not in the chat, but we'll get this question. Top two underdogs on the card. Well, top two. Well, from gonna, a, I want to say from a DFS perspective. Okay, I was gonna do a cop out. Uh, I will say that Chandler. Um, I'm still gonna cop out. I'm gonna say Chandler and Poirier, right? Like they both have clear avenues and uh, at their price points, you know, it's a close fight. I'm always going to prioritize main event, co-main event underdogs uh, as you know, I spoke of before. Yeah. I mean, when, when I look on DraftKings, I mean, obviously, you know, Poirier, if the fight can make it to minute 11, minute 16 of the fight, that's where you like more. I would say I, I like, but Dustin Poirier more for a cash play. Than, than I do GPP. I, I just look. I I think we're gonna see a Connor TKO at some point. Can you imagine if this fight goes five rounds, and it's like a just an amazing fight? I mean, Nate Diaz was able to survive. Nate Diaz has a phenomenal chin. Um, and uh, you know, fighters having good chins comes down to conditioning a lot of the times. And I will tell you that Dustin Poirier is working extremely hard and is kind of probably coming in the best shape. So. Maybe he could take a shot better when he's not cutting weight. Yeah. I mean, in terms of underdogs, Carlos Jr., 7,500. I think that's a, that's a very good GPP underdog. Uh, you know, I mentioned about picking Pena. I just don't know how well that scores in, in terms of GPS, G, GP, GPPs. Sanchez, I think, is another one uh, to potentially look at as well, especially on, on the FanDuel side of things at only $13. Uh, Charles says, any cash score, just a few you like. I would say uh, prioritize the two, the main event, the co-main event. Um, I think Sarukian's a, a nice one. Yeah, there, there's uh, there there is in terms of my cash plays. Um, you know, I really, I, I really like Connor in that spot. Um, Dan Hooker could be a really good cash play in terms of, of being able to land strikes, and he's but he is going to have to li- likely have to stop. Uh, you know, some takedown attempts. I mean, look, I, I don't like the just guy Calderwood fight in terms of DFS. I just don't think it's going to score you a, a lot of points. But, uh, you know, like when I look at there's a there's a lot of fights that I would say, I don't think there's a ton of fights I really love for cash, but there's multiple fights in terms of GPP that I love. Roundtree, Pashneo fight. Uh, the other one would be Azatar and Favola, um, just because of, of the ability for, Az, for Azatar to get the stoppage win. Yeah, agree. Yeah, so, uh, of course, we'll be back on Saturday, live before lock, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We will be live for 75 minutes leading up to UFC 257. As the show ends, be sure to smash that thumbs-up button right here on YouTube. Keep it locked here to Osmo.com. Got a ton of shows coming for you here tomorrow to get you ready for the NBA slate. I believe it's an 11-game slate. I heard Josh say that. Ooh, a lot of, lot of games. But uh, keep it locked here all weekend long to get you ready for all of the sports action. For Pete Rogers Jr., I am Jason Floyd, and this has been the Strategy Show right here on Osmo.com. 